All right, this morning, I want to talk about Sabbath in the New Testament. The idea of Sabbath has been contentious in some parts of the church. In the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the Sabbath was a cessation of labor, cessation from labor of any creative kind, according to rabbinic tradition. According to the rabbis, this included such things as weaving or separating two threads, tying or untying anything, writing or erasing two letters, kindling or extinguishing a fire, and taking an object from the private into the public domain, or moving any object within the public domain. These are the kinds of things that the Hebrew rabbis taught were to be prohibited on the Sabbath to ensure that you were resting appropriately on that day, that that you were respecting, remembering, and keeping the Sabbath day holy. Some argue that the Sabbath is still in effect for us today, though we are under the new covenant. Others say that we no longer need to observe the Sabbath day. We are to rest from work and commerce on Sunday. The idea is that the resurrection of Jesus on Sunday rids us of the Friday evening through Saturday evening Sabbath, but replaces some of its provisions with the Lord's Day. According to the Complete Word Study Dictionary of the New Testament, Sabbaton, which is transliterated from the Hebrew Shabbat, Shabbat, means rest, a cessation from labor. The Jewish Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, kept originally by a total cessation from all labor as even the kindling of a fire, but apparently without any public solemnities except an addition to the daily sacrifice in the tabernacle and a changing of the showbread. So it wasn't the day of gathering for worship necessarily. With that understanding of what Sabbath the word means, let's look at how Jesus viewed the Sabbath. We're going to begin with Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, where we read this. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. <clears throat> the word rest here means to cease, to give rest, to quiet, to recreate or recreate, to refresh. Jesus promises rest for our souls. Soul is that Greek word we just talked about, suke. It is the seat of the feelings, desires, affections, aversions, our soul, our heart, etc., according to Thayer. Jesus said that he would quiet, recreate, refresh, give rest to the seat of our feelings, our mind, will, emotions, our psyche. In the next verse of Matthew, we find this in 12 Chapter 12, verse 1. Now remember, 
before we had the Bible printed like it is now, there were no chapter numbers and verse numbers. So this is a continuation of this statement. In fact, it says in verse 12, in verse 1 of chapter 12, at that time, Jesus went. So he's been telling a story there in 11, 28 to 38, uh, 28 to 30, come on that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And then he says, at that same time, at that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn. And his disciples were hungered, and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. You get that? The disciples are walking through the cornfield picking ears of corn. Or maybe it was wheat. You know, we don't really know what it was, but corn is what this King James says in my Bible anyway. The Pharisees were upset because the disciples were harvesting on the Sabbath. And their tradition said that harvesting was not lawful. Jesus responds to them beginning in verse 3 of chapter 12 in Matthew. He says this, But he said unto them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and they that were with him? How he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread which was not lawful for him to eat? neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? As a kid, I always wondered why it was that pastors who worked every Sunday told everyone not to work on Sunday. Somehow it seemed it was okay for them. This is where they get it from. <laughs> Growing up in the country, I also observed that farmers worked on Sunday. Milking had to be done. Livestock had to be fed. Manure had to be removed. In this passage, Jesus begins to answer that question. Let's carry on in Matthew 12, 6-8. to but I say unto you, this is Jesus speaking, that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known what this means, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath day. Jesus says that the disciples were guiltless. More than that, he indicates that he is the one who sets the rules for the Sabbath. He also quoted here Hosea 6.6, which says this, For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. We find a similar statement in Micah 6.6 through 8. Here's what it says. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves of a, of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with tens, ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? 
He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Jesus reminded the Pharisees that God is looking for a relationship, the knowledge of God, not rules, rites, and rituals. Later, Jesus went into the synagogue and demonstrated his, this new understanding of the Sabbath again. We'll pick up our text here with Matthew 12, 9 through 13. And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days? So that they could accuse him. And he said unto them, what man shall there be among you who shall have one sheep? And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then said he to the man, Stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like as the other. Mark also records that corn harvesting incident that the disciples did. And his account adds this in Mark 2.27. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So he told them, He is the Lord of the Sabbath. And he said the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. Luke 13.10-17 records a similar incident. And there we read this. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift herself up. She was hunched over. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thy infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight. And glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. Because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And he said to the people. There are six days in which men ought to work. And in, in them therefore come and be healed. And not on the Sabbath day. The Lord answered him and said. You hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. What a great picture that is. As soon as, as, soon as people realize that they are freed from religious observance and law, their response is joy. Their response is love. Their response is, this is amazing. 
Jesus was beginning to teach a new understanding of Sabbath. In Hebrews, we see it in fruition. Hebrews 4, 1 and 2 says this, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left to us, uh, left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now the NIV renders this, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Many manuscripts have, because they did not share in the faith of those who obeyed. And the NET has, since they did not join in with those who heard it in faith. I think this is important because ultimately it is the lack of faith, the lack of trust in God that resulted in the Israelites failing to enter his rest. And the same is true of people today. Hebrews 4 again, verse 2 through 6 says this, makes this idea clear. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have, been, which have believed do enter into that rest. Do enter into rest, as he said. As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into rest. I'm sorry. As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. And that if there, really what this is saying is they won't enter into my rest. They will not. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Here we see that we who believe enter into rest, and those who are disobedient and do not believe do not enter rest. Where we read unbelief, many translations have disobedience. This is because the Greek word used is apatheia, which means disobedient, an unwillingness to be persuaded. Willful unbelief, obstinacy, obstinacy. Such an attitude comes from the belief that we know better than God what is best for us. And that is a failure of trust. We can see this in Psalm 95, 10 and 11. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, It is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. They err or go astray in their heart. You see it? As we saw in Hosea and Micah, our hearts are exactly what God's looking for. Going back now to Hebrews 4, picking up in 7. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then would he not have afterwards spoken of another day? After Moses died, Joshua led Israel into the land of promise. 
And as we're going to see later, God subdued all their enemies and they did have rest in the land. However, the writer of Hebrews is pointing out that this was not the rest that God promised. In verse 9 of Hebrews 4, he goes on, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, has, he, has all, uh, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. And that's the key to it right there. God finished his work of creation. And then many years later, Jesus proclaimed from the cross, it is finished. In the first case, God created mankind and showed them his love in the garden. In the second case, he repaired the damage their distrust had caused, redeemed them from the one to whom they had given themselves, and reconciled them to himself in Christ. Two rests. And now in Hebrews 4.11 we read, Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. The NIV says it this way, Make every effort to enter that rest. Spudazzo from spude. To use speed, to make effort, to be prompt, to be earnest, to give diligence, to be diligent, to endeavor, to labor, to study. That's what this word means when it says labor to enter the rest. Work to enter that rest. Some translations say strive. When we are not diligent about entering the Sabbath rest of the finished work of Christ, we fall back into fleshly attempts to work for our righteousness. This is like trying to break back into jail. Here's a picture of how the enemy treats people who are in bondage, thinking they can be righteous by works. Exodus 5, 1-9, we find this picture. And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who's the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let, the, let Israel go? I know not the Lord, and neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us go. We pray thee, three days journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said to them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works? Get, get you unto your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many. And you, make of the, and you make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no more give the people straw to make brick as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tally of bricks which they did make before, you shall lay upon them. You shall not diminish, diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. And therefore they cry, saying, Let us go sacrifice to our God. Let their more work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein, and them not regard vain words. Do you see that? That's what the enemy does. This is precisely what many of us have heard in church over the years. 
If you are not feeling close to the Lord, it's probably because you're not doing enough for Him. We've had fewer resources provided and more work laid upon us so that we don't have time to think about the freedom and rest found in Jesus Christ. That's what religion does. That's what the enemy does. He lays more work. He puts more burden. What did Jesus say right at the beginning of this? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. If you don't have an easy yoke and a light burden, you may not be hearing the gospel presented clearly. Here's what it looks like to live life in Sabbath rest. And these are examples from the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 3, 21 and 22 says this, And I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Thine eyes have seen all the Lord your God hath done unto these two kings. So shall the Lord do unto all the kingdoms, whither thou passest. Ye shall not fear them, for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. That encourages a life of dependency upon God, doesn't it? That's what we're talking about. That's the Sabbath rest. That we're not working to become worthy. We're not working to become acceptable. We're not working to get God's love. We're not working for closeness. We're not working for cleanness. We have all those things. We're depending upon God to provide. He alone is the source. We rest and receive. He is the provider. Deuteronomy 12, 10 and 11 says it this way, But when you go over Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God giveth you to inherit, and when he giveth you rest from all your enemies round about, so that you dwell in safety. Does that mean we're going to live pain-free lives with no trials and difficulties? No, it does not. In this life you'll face a lot of tribulation, but fear not. He has overcome the world. The shadow of the Sabbath rest is found. The shadow of the Sabbath rest that is found in Christ Jesus looks like this. Joshua 21, 43-45. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which He sware to give to their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. The reality that cast that shadow is our life in Jesus Christ. Life in the kingdom of God is peace and rest. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, according to Romans 14, 17. That rest found in Christ, we possess it. We dwell therein. That rest was given to us, all around us, according to all that He promised our fathers. And there stands not one of our enemies before us. The Lord delivers all of our enemies into our hand. There fail not any of the good things which the Lord has spoken. All will come to pass. 
So Sabbath rest doesn't have to do with what you do on Saturday. It doesn't have to do with what you do on Sunday. It has to do with not trusting in your own senses, trusting in what the world says is the way that things work to achieve moral uprightness or to achieve righteousness or to have a better relationship with God or to somehow avoid His wrath. It has to do with trusting God. That's the narrow way. Jesus Christ is the narrow way. And when we are in Christ and Christ is in us, it's He who is the supply. It's He who is the source. And we simply receive and live our lives in peace, in quiet, in joy, in righteousness, because we are citizens of the kingdom.